Good morning. Welcome to Stony Brook Church. It is a wonderful day to be able to gather together in spirit and truth and to worship our awesome Savior. We are so glad that you have joined us for worship, both uh, in person and online. I am Pastor Clara Kwan. I'm the associate pastor here. I bring you greetings on behalf of our entire staff and our preacher for this morning, Pastor David Hoffman. As we begin our time together, we'd like to know that you are worshiping with us. Um, I encourage you to pull out your connection card and your bulletins. Um, if you're worshiping with us online, the online host has posted that link. Uh, on our connection card, you can record your attendance. You can also fill out um, prayer requests so that we can pray for you. On the back of the connection card is also opportunities, uh, different ministry opportunities that you can sign up for. And so speaking of, we are collecting hygiene items for NEMAP Food Pantry. And since families are of different sizes and have different needs, NEMAP is asking us to provide individual sized items. Uh, we are collecting shampoo, deodorant, razors, dental items, and feminine, feminine hygiene products. And so there's a big box um, in the narthex for that collection. We are collecting through October 2nd. And as we race towards the end of the year, holiday season will soon be upon us. Um, and the holiday season brings with it the cantata performance. Um, and so uh, to that end, the cantata choir is an extend, extended chancel choir. And they, we will begin rehearsing for the cantata performance that will be on December 18th. And so our first read through is Wednesday, September 28th. If you're interested in joining, please let uh, Greg Miller know prior to September 26th. And lastly, uh, we will have our Trunk or Treat event held October 22nd that is hosted by our children's ministry, and we are looking for volunteers to help with that event. We're also collecting donations for candy and non-food prize items. Uh, there's a big wagon in the narthex for all of the donations, um, candy donations to be dropped off there. And then uh, we are also looking for people to decorate trunks and to pass out candy. And so um, if you participate, we'll also have a, a best trunk contest. Uh, and then if you want to be able to pass out candy but you are too lazy to decorate a trunk, we'll have um, pre-decorated tables. Spaces for those tables and for trunks are limited, so sign up on your connection card. You can find these and many more announcements about the life and ministry of Stony Brook um, in this morning's bulletin, and you can also go online to our church website where you can sign up to receive weekly emails. And now let us prepare our hearts and minds and enter into a posture of worship with this prelude.
invite you to stand as you are able and with one spirit join in the call to worship. Give thanks to God, for God is good. God's steadfast love endures forever. All nations shall thank you, O God, for your wonderful works. You satisfy the thirsty and the hungry you fill. Let us worship God, and let us continue by singing our opening hymn together, O Master, Let Me Walk With Thee. Sixteenth chapter of the Gospel of Luke, verses 1 through 13. I invite us to hear these words. Then Jesus said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, what will I do now that my master is taking the position away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 
He answered, a hundred jugs of olive oil. He said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 50. Then he asked another, and how much do you owe? He replied, a hundred containers of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and make it 80. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much, and whoever is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust you with the true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Friends, this is the word of God for all God's children. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. pray. Everlasting God, you are mighty to save, and for you nothing is impossible. You are generous and abundant, and we give you praise. We praise you for there is nothing you would not give to redeem us, to restore us, and to save us. You did not even withhold your own self, coming as Jesus, divine in human flesh, setting the example of extravagant love for all. Yet too often we find ourselves praising anything but you. Too often we are lured by riches and the security it brings. We are deceived by the false promises of hoarding and excluding, as if somehow you had only created a limited amount, as if you had created only one particular people and one particular way of thinking. We confess that we are fickle and easily swayed, too stubborn for our own good and far less trusting nor generous as you desire us to be. Yet you continue to reach out to us. You call us to settle our debts, even going so far as to cancel them 
and to forgive them. And you continue to give to us, giving us your healing spirit, restoring us whole once again, where we thought our brokenness was too deep, too ingrained in our bodies, but you pour out your spirit to show us that even in a dry valley full of bones, you raise up a people of flesh, a people who have your heart for the weary and the lost. So heal us, we pray. Raise us up to share generously as you have shared with us, sharing the gifts that you have given us in time, in talents, in resources. For you have poured out everything for us and will continue to do so, so that we will never be in need of anything. And as we are sent out to share what we have, grant us the vision to see a world redeemed. Grant us the boldness to work for justice. Grant us the courage to stand with the marginalized and the stranger. Grant us the ears and the heart and the mind to hear, to feel, and to understand those who are different from us. And in so doing, let us be peacemakers, that the world may know we are children of God. Pour out your spirit upon your servant, Pastor David. Surround him with your angels as he encourages us with your word this morning. Let that word take root in our hearts, transforming them to be loyal to the only one worthy to be worshipped. May our hearts be loyal only to God, whose love does not run out, whose presence never abandons us, whose mercies are new every morning. May your word move us to radical obedience that follows after Jesus as his true and genuine disciples. And as disciples of Jesus, we pray the prayer he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
be seated. Let us pray. Thou who art over us, thou who art one of us, thou who simply art, give each of us a pure heart that we may see thee, a humble heart that we may hear thee, a heart of love that we may serve thee, and most of all, a heart of faith that we may always abide in thee. This is our hope. This is our prayer this day. Amen. There's an old story that many of you may already know or think you know about a man out west who bought a horse from a farmer for $100. The farmer agreed to deliver the horse the next day. However, when the next day arrived, the farmer failed to follow through on his promise. I'm afraid the horse has died, the farmer explained. The young man said, well, give me back my money. The farmer said, I can't do that. I spent it already. The young man thought for a moment and said, okay, then just bring me the dead horse. The farmer asked, what are you going to do with the dead horse? The young man said, I'm going to raffle it off. Just an aside, I must say, a disclaimer here. You know, United Methodists don't believe in raffles or games of chance. <laughs> but the farmer said, you can't raffle off a dead horse. Young man said, sure I can, watch me. I just won't tell anybody he's dead. <laughs> Month later, the farmer met up with a young man and asked what happened with the dead horse. The young man said, I raffled him off. I sold 500 tickets at $2 a piece and made a profit of $998. The farmer said, didn't anyone complain? The young man said, just the guy who won, so I gave him back his $2. <laughs> the 8 o'clock service, I had to, like, pause for a little while. But this story fits so well with this morning's parable where shrewdness is rewarded, right? Jesus tells a complicated story that has intrigued and aggravated many a biblical scholar. Often entitled the dishonest manager, the parable has very, many and varied interpretations. This could easily be considered one of the most outrageous parables that Jesus ever told. One can only imagine that there must have been many other stories that Jesus told with only a few of them ever actually being written down. So why this one? Why was this one written down and recorded for us? Friends, I, I, I'm really not sure. <laughs> I kept rereading it all week. We did some work on the Wednesday Bible study searching for some kind of redemptive value in it, some kind of hidden message contained within it. Was there a good moral lesson in this story? Let's see, what did it say in the ninth verse? Make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth so when it is gone, they may welcome you into eternal homes. 
Honestly, I really, I can't say that I've ever heard that one before as a memory verse. <laughs> in fact, unless you read today's scripture in preparation for hearing this morning's sermon, you probably have never heard of it either. Well, how about the characters in the story? Is there a character in the text that we should exemplify? How about the rich man? Let's begin with him. The rich man heard a rumor that one of his employees was squandering his property. The rich man summoned the offending employee before him. What is this that I hear about you, he asked. But he doesn't even give the employee a chance to respond or to defend himself. The alleged accusation was automatically presumed valid. The rich man plowed on ahead with his judgment. He demanded the employee, his manager, bring him the books for an audit. And in the very next breath, he passes judgment. You cannot be my manager any longer. You are fired. What kind of person is this rich man that he so quickly passes judgment upon someone who had obviously worked hard enough to be placed in such a position of trust. You don't just put anyone in charge of your money. <laughs> and then when an accusation comes out of the blue with no proof, say with, with no questions asked, you're fired. What kind of person is this rich man? Well, this is the same rich man who would later commend the accused dishonest manager with shrewdness. The manager had just cost him a significant loss on his loans, and yet he praised him. What strange behavior. You have to wonder if the rich man sold horses for a living. <laughs> it makes one wonder if the rich man was commending something in himself something in someone else that he admired in himself. Maybe it was his own method that he used to gain his own riches. Considering all of this, I would not lift up this rich man as a sterling example of righteousness. If we cannot find any redemptive value in the character of the rich man, how about the so-called dishonest manager? If he was not guilty of being dishonest before, he indeed went ahead to live up or, or to live down to his accusation. He went one by one to the people who owed the rich man some goods. He offered them deals to take between 20% and 50% off their bills. And as if incriminating himself were not bad enough, he encouraged the debtors to be accomplices by writing their own coupon. The manager didn't do this so that he could get rich, but rather so that others might welcome him into their homes. Apparently, he was too weak to work and too proud to beg, but thought nothing of taking advantage of other people's hospitality. <laughs> Some scholars believe that the manager was lowering the debt by the amount of his own commission. So where are the good guys in this parable. We're hard put to find anyone in this parable that we would point out and say, go and do likewise, right? <laughs> My first inclination was not to speak on this parable because it was tempting to say that it had no redemptive value. In fact, I think, we're, I thought, 
Clara had this text. At least that's what... <laughs> now, I got accused two weeks ago of giving Clara hard texts. Just saying. <laughs> Someone from the 8 eight o'clock service <laughs> said that I, I should sell used cars for a living. What? <laughs> Back to the text, right? Our first inclination, right, of this parable, because it, it's really tempting to say that no one in this text has any redemptive value. And yet almost instantly coming to that conclusion, we should begin to wonder if that's not one of the points of this morning's text. If it's not one of the points that Jesus is making. Jesus is tempting us to find no redemptive value in those he talks about in this parable. We see no redeeming characteristics of anyone in the parable. Yet the rich man can find redeeming qualities in the dishonest manager. Now, if we were the ones in charge of creating a list of redeeming criteria for whom, whom it is worth saving, then who on this earth would be redeemed? Probably no one would be worthy of redeeming. The alleged dishonest manager was certainly not one we would consider a model citizen, but there was still something he was good at. He was good at being shrewd. The manager took this gift, if you want to call it that, and made it work for him so that his future was more secure. The rich man was not one that I would consider being a fair person either, but there was something that he was good at, getting rich. And the rich man caught the, the manager red-handed after the manager made his shrewd deals. And if he was to be considered fair, right, he should have thrown this miserable ex-employee into prison. Yet his gift of being rich allowed him to make some allowances on behalf of his former employee. Neither are the debtors ones we should be lifting up as having high impeccable morals. One wonders if even after their bills were slashed and the dishonest manager's actions were brought to light, that they would be the ones to eventually pay back all their debts as well. No debt, no doubt. <laughs> These are not ideal people that Jesus places in this story especially compared to those among us who have never cheated on our taxes, never driven over the speed limit, never run up a credit card debt without the intent of paying it back, never ever lied, never stared lustfully at someone, never was unfaithful to our spouse, nor intentionally said something mean to somebody else, nor, well, maybe we should stop right there. <laughs> maybe, maybe we better just forget about figuring out who among us would be the ideally righteous person worth redeeming. None of us would ever qualify to be good enough. And yet, despite not being good enough ourselves, why is it that we spend so much time, so much of our energy, passing other people off as having no redemptive value? Even the rich, unfair rich man could see something good in his dishonest manager. How much more should we, those who call themselves faithful, look for the good 
in other people. Looking for the good in other people, let alone ourselves, is impossible when we treat others as having no redemptive value. Who are the ones that we treat as though they have no redemptive value? Is it the ones who have a lifestyle that we do not condone or we weigh them off as having nothing worth contributing? Is it the ones that we do not, who do not think or believe or run in the same circles that we do? Is it ones we consider too young or too feeble or too impaired to add anything of value to life or the life of the church? All kinds of people are treated as though they have no redemptive value. But Jesus knew differently. Jesus values all people, which is why he chose to redeem them. We are indebted to God for all that God has done for us. Our debt is so extensive that we could never pay it all back. Friends, this is an outrageous parable, and it was told by an outrageous redeemer. This was one who hung around with people who considered he cons- who, who were considered to have no redemptive value. The tax collectors, the prostitutes, the sinners, the debtors, the list goes on and on. And yet, and yet he saw something worthy of redemption in them, just as he sees it in us. He knows our gifts and our, our talents, whether it be shrewdness or something else. He knows if we are misdirecting our gifts, even if we think we are thinking that we are doing well with our gifts while they're being misdirected, serving self and wealth. Imagine what could be done if we use them to serve God. Dr. Fred Craddock puts what this means in a way that is so down to down to earth and understandable, he writes this. Most of us will not this week christen a ship, write a book, end a war, appoint a cabinet, dine with a queen, convert a nation, or be burned at the stake. Most likely the week will present no more than a chance to give a cup of cold water, write a note, visit a nursing home, vote for a county commissioner, teach a Sunday school class, share a meal, tell a child a story, go to choir practice, and feed the neighbor's cat. It's true, isn't it? Life is such that it consists of a series of seemingly small opportunities to do the right and the ethical thing, especially the right and good thing towards those who need our care, compassion, our help, and our attention. All of us, all of us, everyone, we need to hear that we have value, that we have gifts and resources to share, and that we have one, one ready to redeem us all. Friends, God is a gracious God who does not merely reduce our debts, but eliminates them completely. Friends, these are the promises of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.
As we enter into this time of giving, we invite you to participate in our college care ministry with a monetary donation. Our college care ministry sends out a care package in the fall and in the spring, plus monthly greeting cards. And so donations can be made to Stony Brook with college care in the memo line. You can also give online um, and designate it in that way. We are also looking for volunteers to help pack the care packages. And so if you're interested in volunteering in this way, um, giving of your talents and your time as well, you can contact Jason at jason.sheldon at stonybrook.church. And now our offering is a sign of our thanksgiving for all that God has blessed us with. Our offering is also a sign of trust that God will continue to provide us with all that we may need. I invite the ushers to wait upon us as we give our gifts and tithes this morning.
give wholeheartedly to you, whether it be our time, our resources, our relationships, our lives. May we be faithful and generous givers so that we may be co-workers for building your kingdom on this earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we go forth this day, I bring you news of great sadness uh, to our faith community. Um, I spoke with Suzanne Kessler this morning, and Bob Kessler died this morning. I ask that you continue to surround the family with your love and your care. Uh, visits to Suzanne are limited. Um, she is COVID positive, so we invite you to reach out to her with your phone calls and your notes uh, and cards of sympathy and support. Um, friends. Um, this is a loss to our community of faith. We know that God uh, joins us in that sorrow 
Bob has run with patience the race that we just sung about, and he sees Jesus. So let us go forth in God's care, knowing that God goes with us. Amen.